That is not going to work. What are your names again? My name. It doesn't matter what your names are. You walk around here interrupting the rock you like you haven't seen the sun in 20 years. You like you just stepped out of Oliver Twist. Please, sir, may I have some more advice, sir? You want some advice? Here's a rock advice. Shut your mouth. What you want. What you want. How about what the rock wants? Allow me to reintroduce myself. I am the jabroni beating, pie eating, trail blazing, eyebrow raising, talking is done, you're out of your class, no sleep till Brooklyn, the rock whoops your ass. What's going on, brothers and sisters? Coming to you from Theater D, Row J, Seat 7. I am the Godfather, Nate Milton, and this is the Rocky Maya Via Picture Show, your favorite pop culture and pro wrestling podcast dedicated to the genius of sports entertainer turned thespian, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Now playing this week, 2011's Fast Five. All right, listen up. The men we're after are professional runners. They like speed and guaranteed to go down the hardest possible way. So make sure you've got your thunderwear on. We find them, we take them as a team, and we bring them back. And above all else, we don't ever, ever let them get in the cars. Prime team is 10 hours old and counting, men. Let's go hunt. All right, see, this This is just hearing that clip, just hearing that little, little taste of what we're about to do <laughs> this week gets me excited. And, and, I can't do this movie alone, not only because, you know, I, I love to have people talk about these films with me, but this is a big movie for Dwayne The Rock Johnson. This is where we officially enter what I like to call phase three of Dwayne Johnson's film career. So I need to bring some people in to help review this with me. And, and since every Siskel needs an Ebert, every Ebert needs a Roper, and every Blaine needs one. <laughs> I have two special guests to help me review this film. They are the hosts of the excellent Fast and Furious theme podcast, Too Fast, Too Forever, which you can find at TooFastTooForever.com. And uh, being the Fast and Furious aficionados that they are, I, I, I am sure that they are wearing their Thunderwear for this episode. Oh, oh of course. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, let me welcome Joey Lewandowski and Joe Two into the theater. Yo, Joes, how are we hello, doing this week? Hello, hello, hello. What's up, brother? Yeah, it's good to be here, man. Uh, I've I've been waiting for this for a while because, like I said, guys, like this is a big film not only for Dwayne Johnson but also for something that you guys hold near and dear, which is the Fast and Furious franchise. Of course. Yeah, we're big fans of, of The Rock and Fast and Furious. Um, glad you reached out to us to talk about it, man. Hey, I I, I needed somebody. I needed I needed to assemble my own crew. And so much like Dom Toretto, I had to find the right people for the job. So oh, you know you got two of these. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was either you guys or no knees Denise. So mm. I, I wasn't sure who oh, to call first. Please, make it happen. Make it happen. Oh, <laughs> I could ever find her. Oh, man, before we get into this movie, though, I do want to set up some kind of backstory for the listeners who may not be familiar with you guys' show. And, and if they haven't listened, they certainly should check it out after listening to this episode of Rocky My View, a picture show. But what were you guys' relationship with The Rock as a wrestler? Like, were you fans of wrestling growing up? And, and was The Rock in particular somebody that was on your radar? 
Should I go first or second? Because mine is way shorter than Joe's. I think you should go first. Okay. <laughs> so I basically had zero connection to wrestling growing up. I remember one time when my mom was raising, I mean, that sounds bad. My parents are still together. But my mom was working from home and she was doing the, you know, the Dorling Kindersley, the book going house to house and doing sort of, mm. you know, the Yankee Candle or whatever, whatever the thing is. The, like they have a book party for ladies. And I remember going to somebody's house one time prepping for the party and her sons were watching wrestling. And I was like, people watch this? Like none of my friends watch this. <laughs> like I knew zero people. So the fact that like when I went to this person's house with my mom and I saw people watching wrestling, I was like, huh. I know that this exists as a thing. Mm. I did not realize that people watch this. So that's how far removed I was. Fast forward to two Christmases ago. I'm at a, or two Halloweens ago. I'm at a Halloween party with a friend. And I just, I'm wearing a Nicolas Cage sweatshirt because I have the Cage Club Podcast Network, which is the Fast and Furious Too Fast, Too Forever is a part of. And I get to talking about, uh, talking to some people about podcasting and podcasts. And this guy says, you know, I've got a wrestling podcast do you want to come on and talk about The Rock? Because we were talking about Fast and Furious. I was like, sure. So that, in preparation for that, I saw three matches. I think two against Ken Shamrock and then one early one in his career. So I have a very little amount. Like, I, I have some familiarity, some familiarity, but most of my connection to The Rock is as as you put it, a thespian, as opposed to a wrestler. Mm. But that's kind um, of the extent I, of me. I have a little bit different trajectory. Um, I grew up during the Attitude Era, so I was a big fan of The Rock. Um, so I have a story, and I, and I know you're going to call bullshit on it, but it's 100% true. <laughs> um, back in the day, I watched a lot of wrestling. I was into the Attitude Era, like I said, and my dad would take me to go see some wrestling when it would come through town. I lived in Pittsburgh, born and raised, grew up there. Um, mm. I went to some Raws and stuff like that. But one day, he took me and my friend to go to Hell in a Cell. And mm. we went to the Hell in a Cell that is now infamous, the one where Undertaker threw mankind off the top of Hell in a Cell. We were there live. And I have no way to prove that other than my father remembers <laughs> it. I need, I need some receipts. I need the ticket stub. <laughs> I know. But if you look, they were in Pittsburgh. We were we were in the top looking down. And my dad to this day says that he thought that, that man died live in mm. front of us. He was like, I was scared that you, like, you guys saw a death. Like actual death. He was like, I knew that like they were acting and stuff. He's like, but I thought that man died when he came off the top of the hell in the cell. So I was there live for that one. And um, yeah. That was it. So I, I remember all these guys during the Attitude Era. I think I kind of fell off after that. Um, but, like, even now we actually kind of rekindled it. Um, Rachel, my wife, like, and I, like, during the summertime, we watch, like, all the lead-up to WrestleMania. We watch all stuff like that. So um, we've gotten back into it, but not super, super heavy during sports times. And, and I think, like, you know, you just kind of talking about that particular Hell in a Cell, it's it's funny how you can have maybe some of these cultural touchstones where even if you're not a fan of the current wrestling product, yes. there, there are certain things from your childhood that like say, you know, anybody that brings up the undertaker or brings up Foley or brings up that particular mm -hmm. event. Yes. That image immediately pops back into your head. For sure, man. Yeah. I, I'll never forget all those times and like all the stone cold stuff and the rock and mm. like going back and forth like that we we still like my friends and i laugh like we grew up in different places but we were all like into it at that time so we have like the same like attitude era memories together it's pretty fun 
And there's, there's a reason why I think Stone Cold and to an even greater extent, somebody like The Rock still resonate today, even though they haven't really wrestled in a while. And it's yeah. because they were so kind of emblematic of that generation of wrestling where wrestling was legitimately a pop culture sensation at the time. Agreed. I Yeah, I'm, for, I'm with you, brother. Now, let's flip it from The Rock as a wrestler to The Rock as an actor, which is uh, the, the, the only way uh, that, that Joey knew this man. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> like, what, what is this wrestling, this side gig <laughs> that this guy partakes in? Uh, wh- what did you make of Dwayne Johnson kind of transitioning into this world of film and, and becoming what we now know as the biggest movie star in Hollywood? I think when he began his rise to prominence, I was in my film snobbery mode, which I'm not proud of, but I'm owning mm. up to. And I think I remember him being like the wrestler. Like, what? I don't, what? No, this is not for me. I remember my dad loved the movie The Rundown with him and Sean William Scott. Like, he yes. loved that movie. And I was like, I'm not going to watch this. Like, but come on. And then I watched Fast Five, which I'm glad we're here to talk about today. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, no. Like, this – I don't know if I've talked about this, Joe, specifically with you. But, like, we've talked about how that movie – brought me around because that was the first Fast and Furious movie that I Mm -hmm. saw so that was the one that opened my eyes to the franchise but I think it's also the movie that kind of opened my eyes to The Rock as an actor and as we'll talk about tonight he's not exactly a fully fleshed out three-dimensional character the way that he will become in this one in later Fast and Furious movies but I was like oh this guy is a commanding presence on the screen and now fast forward to today I go see movies like many Americans, uh, like people around the world, everywhere, just because he's in them. Like, I'll go see Skyscraper because he's in it. Like, I don't yes. care. I mean, I like that kind of movie, but I'm going to see it because it's a rock movie. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I have so far gone from, ugh, I can't imagine watching a movie with a wrestler in it to being like, hell yeah, I'm going to go see Skyscraper opening night. Why wouldn't I? And then to, to that point, Joe, like the fact that The Rock basically took that foundation of wrestling and applied it to the big screen and that charm and that personality that we watched, you know, growing up during the Attitude Era, it just translated so well. This is, yeah, that's why that a perfect transition into mine, which is like um, when The Rock became an actor, I wasn't actively following the movies for him, but I had never any doubt that he would be a great actor because I had seen all of his charisma and the charm that we loved him from, from that era. So I think probably the first, like the first rock movie that I probably remember ever seeing was probably fast five Mm. like, and being like, Oh yeah. Like, wow, this is really cool. Um, to see him in the movie, like, I can't believe it, and he's a really good actor. Like, from the jump, I was like, oh, man, yeah, this is exactly what I was hoping for in these movies. You know, like, he didn't, like, change character too much for me. So, yeah, I was I was sold from the beginning, although I didn't, I wasn't, like, trying to seek out the Rock movies like I am now. Um, I was, like, I was about it. Yeah, he certainly kind of raised the bar or the expectations from what a wrestler-turned-actor was. Mm-hmm. You know, because right. before that, we're talking about, you know, Hulk Hogan and, you know, Roddy Piper, who was good and they live. But, you know, there was a certain kind of level for these dudes. And now, you know, with the rock success, we're seeing John Cena make some mm-hmm. inroads. Mm-hmm. Of course, Dave Batista over at Marvel. So, like, it, it, it's not this kind of laughable notion that a guy could make that transition. And The Rock had a big part in this movie. This isn't like a one note, like, you know, 
um, a wrestler cameo, right? Mm, it's not like a Ronda like Rousey in Furious 7. It's, it's a, not a Ronda. <laughs> yeah, he's exactly. The, he's the core of this movie. Yes. Yeah, he has a serious role in this film. So, like, I was like, wow. Like, th- so that I think that that surprised me, too, because it was, like, my first uh, exposure to it that I was like, he. they gave him, like, a lot of screen time for, like, being a wrestler in a movie, and he did really well with it. Well, let's stay here for a little bit, guys. You know, we'll get, we'll get to the time warp here in a second because I know that's one of the segments that the listeners love because it always manages to stump the guests because who can remember songs and events from <laughs> 10, 15, 20 years ago, however long the movie is. But let's stay here with the Fast and Furious because I think you guys are making a really good point about how he kind of seamlessly works his way into this world. And, and yes, he's not the fully formed character in this movie that he will become, but as fans and experts on this franchise what does this movie mean to the franchise going forward and in particular the rock's involvement with this movie mean going forward this is this is the cornerstone one this is the big one yeah we like to make the argument that this is where the franchise like really takes off right Mm. we we kind of make a pivot point here four sets the groundwork that they, they know they're doing a reboot but five is the one where, where they embrace being action movies. You add The Rock, who's now in the rest of them, and you become like a global franchise sensation. Like that's the tipping point, for me at least. I mean, a phrase that we've heard a lot that we've used on our show that I've heard elsewhere that I'm sure you've heard if you you might have even used on this very podcast. But like The Rock has been described as franchise Viagra. Yes. <laughs> and it's not like the Fast and Furious was really struggling. Like the first movie was wildly successful. Mm-hmm. You know, they had a couple that weren't great, but like great in terms of financial success. But then I think four started the bounce back, but then they add him here. They bring new life, a new fan base. They also amp like the action up as well, like Joe was saying. And this is really the pivot point. This is where it goes from being a franchise about cars to a franchise about action. And mm. I think that what we've learned from people who have written into our show, who listen to our show, is that there's really kind of two classes of Fast and Furious fans. There's people who love the car movies, and there's people who love the action movies. And The and Rock then, is a big part of that, I yes. think. And I yeah. think if we had to – I mean, Joe and I love – Almost all of the movies. I think if we had to choose one or the other, I think he would probably be in the car movie group, and I would be more in the action movie group. Mm-hmm. And I so think five and six are the two best. The two best ones. And yeah. a lot of that has to do with The Rock. And um, I just think that the way that they implement him and raise the stakes and make it more global and bring in this like international government agency, like we don't know about the DSS. In the yeah. first four movies, they bring in in this movie like the Rock is our introduction to this sort of global like what was just originally you know cops in the FBI in Southern California over people stealing DVD players now is like an <laughs> international wanted you know going to have like four or five of the FBI's most wanted like top ten most wanted you know what I mean like they are raising the stakes both narratively in terms of action in terms of the casting and a lot of that I think is just around bringing the Rock on. I think for me, this movie, while I watched the other movies and I enjoyed them, I don't enjoy them nearly as much as five going forward. Yeah. And I think you're in a good Yeah, I'm in that action camp, I guess. Yeah, a lot of people agree with you. Because I'll tell you exactly what they feel like to me. They feel like these like movies, the Fast and the Furious from five on feel like street level Avengers. Like they feel like these big superhero team up movies but we just don't have powers. We just have vehicles and indestructible, good-looking people of all different ethnicities. <laughs> and, and, I, and I think that's part of why it's so popular is because 
it's not just, you know, a team of white dudes or it's not just a team Amen. of men in general. It's a multicultural, you know, multi-ethnic. Yep. Uh, it's it's men, it's women, and, and they're working together. And it, the action set pieces get crazier and crazier. And so, yeah, I, I think the closest parallel, not only in style, but also in box office, would probably be like the MCU movies. Yeah, we, we made that comparison you. a lot. Yeah, that's something that we've definitely noticed in terms of the way that they package things together, in terms of the the ever-growing universe. Like, we've been talking now, like, the last couple episodes we've been saying, you know, as as we're a couple months now away from Fast and Furious 9 and, like, a year, a little over a year away from Fast and Furious 10, like, we've been starting calling 10, like, their endgame, right? Like, their Avengers mm. endgame is 10. Because yeah. they said that's where the main franchise is going to stop. And so... I think but it's, it's not going to end. It's just like right. it's just going to stop there. And this is a, this is a huge reason why we're just such champions for the films because we we always say there's going to be someone that you can find in a Fast and the Furious that you can relate to. There's going to be a character that you can point to that you look like that you do. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? There's nerds. There's like yep. drivers. There's heroes. There's rip dudes. There like you, everything you'd want. Somebody's going to be relatable in this franchise. As long as you're a beautiful person. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, at, at least that way it's it's aspirational, though. We can all aspire yeah. to be as beautiful as The Rock and, and Vin Diesel. Of course. Amen. I agree. <laughs> all right. So now let's get to the time warp because we got – I feel like we have so much to talk about with this film that we haven't even scratched the surface. But uh, Fast Five premiered on April 29th, 2011 in the United States. It had a premiere, I guess, a week earlier in uh, Rio de Janeiro. Oh. Uh, on the fifth, April fifteenth. Uh, and so, what we do here in the Time Warp, fellas, if you haven't heard the show, is we go back to this time period and look at what was going on in the culture, particularly the music charts, because a, I'm a big music head, and okay. b, it gives me an excuse to, you know, do a needle drop in the middle of my podcast. Nice. Uh, and so, uh, do you guys know, or do you have a guess? What the number one song on the Billboard singles chart the week of oh. April 29, 2011 was? Oh. Uh, no, I, I need a hint. Mm. Is it? Okay, gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a hint. I'll give you I wanna a hint. I want to guess two artists. Okay. Good. I'm going to guess Kesha or Pitbull. I was going to go you, Gaga. I was going to go you, Gaga. You're all in the same universe, so I'll give you one clue. Okay. The song, this song, yeah. knocked Katy Perry's E.T. off of the top spot. Was that, the, e- was that the E.T. featuring Kanye West? Was that the Yes, the, and so okay. that's that's your clue. Kanye West has an association with the new number one artist oh, the week of April Nikki? 29th. Ooh, no. It's too, it may be too not early Nikki, for Nicki. Uh, no, not Drake. <laughs> is it Drake? Uh, I'll give, give you one more guess. One more is guess. It uh, is it something on the Blueprint 3? Ooh, or is that these are all... Great. These are all great guesses because you're in you're in the universe. You're, okay. yeah, you're, right. you're, we have to be close. We have to be. You're really family close. adjacent right okay. now. Beyonce. Okay, I, that that's an excellent guess, but what? not correct. Sorry. <laughs> the number one song this week on the Billboard charts from the album Loud was Rihanna oh. with S and M.
okay. god, nice. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. We were, oh, damn, Joey, we were close, bud. But you Not were right bad. there. You, you Kanye, Drake, Jay-Z, Beyonce, like, you're right in the universe. Yeah, man. Now, one thing, you know, Joe and I, this is now our fourth podcast, right? We've done, we did the entire filmography of Zac Efron. We did yeah. the entire filmography of Ryan Gosling, and we also yep. did a lot of Channing Tatum, but we have really yeah. focused our efforts now on the Fast and Furious. On each of those three podcasts, the reason I bring it up is because Joe and I have a very, like, it's kind of like Password, like that, that game show Password. Like, we mm. play these weird games where I kind of go deep inside Joe's brain and try to guess him to guess movies, get him to guess movies yes. based on, like, obscure clues that would make no sense to you, <laughs> Nate, or to listeners, but, like, make exact sense to Joe. And... We have not really dived into the world of music. I don't know if we have that skill. I wonder. Like I'm trying to think, I think how I would get you guess beyond it. it. And I don't know. Us. Maybe. Yeah, we would. We would get to it. We, you would be like Chris Brown. Or like you know. Uh, what I mean? you would yeah, give that's, me some that's another clue right there. Yeah, and I would have hit it. Like as soon as you would have said, would like, I hit it? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh too soon, uh, too soon, Joe. Not <laughs> Oh, and I thought that safe in Rio was was tasteless. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this They're is wonderful! Now. This we're is good. wonderful. Hey, he apologized. We're we're we've, we're trying. We're, he's trying yes. to make music. <laughs> that, that's the other thing I was thinking about though when I was looking looking uh, up the Billboard charts. It's like 2011 doesn't seem that long ago, but it's like it's yeah, a lot has happened in eight years, nine years. We got Fendi now, or what is it? Fem, what is it? Femdi? What's Rihanna's makeup line or whatever? Yeah, well, like she's she's not even making music anymore. The kids know her as like this makeup mogul. Fenty, yeah. Fenty. I was wondering. I wonder if Rihanna, because Rihanna can't be too far off from the Fastiverse, right? Like, because we are the new, the big news. Yeah. Nate, I don't know if you know, yeah, but the big she news was just in the new Ocean's Thirteen. She's right? also been in. She was in Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. That's right. Mm, yes. She'd but be a tradition. The big news recently is that Cardi B is going to be in Fast and Furious 9. So, like, we've oh, had that, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a yeah, lot of sense. Having Cardi B, we've had, you know, a lot of these kind of singer-adjacent hyphenates. Iggy Azalea. Yeah, yep. Rihanna can't be that far off, I don't think. I don't think so either, man. Maybe they're she saving be... her for 10. She's got to be no niece to niece. I will. <laughs> <laughs> she would be great. That's a great no niece to niece. Uh, That'd be wonderful if uh, Fast Ten was just like Endgame, where they had all of these callbacks to things you thought were throwaway yeah. scenes, the throwaway lines. We've been pitching this so hard. I say, like every time we talk about, it, I'm like, if you guys are listening, if anybody over there is listening, we need to know who No Knees Denise is, and like, don't forget it because we didn't. So, <laughs> uh, Riri is No Knees Denise. I'm, I'm with it. I'm, I'll co-sign that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you that's all i want like really i don't care what nine and ten are about i just want to i just want one more it doesn't even have to be like explaining who she is one more reference to Noni's denise that'll make that i would die happy yeah same oh you know what will make the listeners happy what if you guys could guess the budget of this film and here's the thing I know you guys might have researched this. You probably know it. We know it made some money because if not, they wouldn't be making a nine and making a 10. Uh, But the budget for Fast Five was $125 million. Yep. I was going to guess 50. Wow. I was going to guess 125. Yep. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think the worldwide box office was? 200. 
No, no, no. It's in the five to six range. It's got to be. Well, I'm going to guess. Like, I'm going to try to do price. I don't know if you play Rice is Right rules, but I'm going to try to do it without going over. I'm going to say 375. Ooh, okay. So Joey's locked in at 375. What about you, Joe? 200. Yeah, 200. 200? Okay. Yeah. Going by Price is Right rules, Joey wins in, 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 a, in a landslide wow. because the budget of this film, $125 million. The yes, worldwide yes, yes. box office, $626 million. That was my first impression, yeah. The millions! Wow. This was a huge movie. Like, this is the movie that kind of was like, oh, no, these movies can make a lot of money. And yeah, now at the time, this billion. was the uh, highest grossing film in the franchise. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. That's a ton. It's... They made half a bill on this movie alone. Damn. Worth it. Worth it. Yep. Yeah. <sighs> so I'm, I'm wondering. Let, let's get into the movie now because I'm wondering you, when, you, when you see that, that total right there, which is just crazy, how much of that total do you think we can attribute – to the 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 reason for this podcast, Dwayne the Rock Johnson coming aboard the franchise. I don't know what was the numbers of the last one, right? We kind of have to factor that in. I, it has to be much much lower, but I think that a lot of the money for this one has to be that it was like a huge summer blockbuster, and The Rock was the main promotion for this movie. Yeah, right. Like he was like the he was the guy on the ticket. He was top bill. So. Like, you knew it was going to be Vin Diesel and, like, the rest of the family, Paul Walker, whatever. But, like, adding The Rock, that was, like, that was their sales pitch for this one. So I think a lot of it has to be The Rock who's brought this money in. It's a weird question. Not a weird question, but it's hard to really gauge because too, like, too Fast, Too Furious is such a different movie from the first one because Vin Diesel leaves. He goes to do his own thing. Yeah. Then Tokyo Drift is brand new. No <laughs> one is there except for Vin Diesel at the very, very end. Mm-hmm. And then 4 is kind of a reboot. So it's still it's, – it's almost like it's the second installment again. Mm-hmm. And I think that 1 was probably the most successful financially until 5 because it sort of kept propelling it. True. So I think, I think it's hard to kind of gauge where the franchise was at. But I think it's a very smart move to bring in The Rock to sort of bump it up to the next level. I think it's probably a combination of his draw at the box office, but it's got to be probably good word of mouth, too. Because like this movie, even for somebody who's never seen any of these movies before, you can watch this and still have a great time. Like yeah. in the word of mouth, like you like say, you know, we've never watched it. You know, Nate, you go to the theater, you come back, you're like, guys, I know you don't watch these Fast and Furious movies, but this movie, like, just go see it. And like we go the second weekend and it keeps that like that's how you get to the the 500 600 million billion dollar market like that's sustained and i think that it, yeah. the fact that it's a good movie with good action and also that and you can sell it now yeah you could sell it many different ways like you know yeah. like you're not a car fan you're like are you a rock fan if you're not a rock fan are you an action fan or mm-hmm. if you're not an action fan are you a car fan like you could do this yeah i think that that's when they finally like put the pieces together it's it's funny because that, i think that is a good point though joey like how can you quantify what DJ's addition to the cast meant to the overall box office. Uh, it certainly helped. Uh, Definitely. But I think like it was just kind of the perfect storm where you had this franchise that, yeah, I, I see, I like Too Fast, Too Furious. I know not a lot of people did. And then Tokyo Drift, you know, you still get a pretty decent split on that from, mm-hmm. I guess, the audience out there. Yep. But I think uh, the fourth one, 
is generally regarded as a step in the right direction. So they probably had some goodwill coming off of that. And then five really just kind of kicked the doors in. I agree. Yeah, that's that's what we seem to hear from everybody else that like talks about how they feel about the franchise. That's You pretty much nailed it. Because the thing to keep in mind also is that Justin Lin, who is now back in the franchise, but he directed three through six. And so I think three mm. like sort of let him establish his tone, his visual style. Then four gave him the character, sort of gave him the sandbox to work with. And then by doing those two, they're like, all right, let's let's kick it up a notch and let's show that flash, that flare, that glitz, that and glamour. And he flexed, yeah. Exactly. I think that's a really good point because I was going to bring up uh, Justin Lin's name a little bit later, but since you since you brought him up, let's talk about him here. Uh, how important has he been, kind of not only to Fast Five but to the franchise as a whole? He, I think he saved it. Mm-hmm. We we always make the argument that that without him, that um, it would have died, and that they they tried to make three kind of like a throwaway five dollar Walmart bin movie, right? <laughs> But like, but the styling and the tone was what really catches people. Like, even if they don't like the characters of it, and people will say they don't like Tokyo Drift, it's like the the visualizations that he brought to the franchise are what they like in three, and what they really like in five when he gets all the tools. Like Joey said, you know, like when they they open the, the open the gates to him, you know. I mean, yeah, I think question, if so. if if you don't well, real quick, uh, Joey, yep. I think yep. if you don't have Justin Lin. And you don't have uh, um, blanking on the actor's name that plays Han. Uh, uh, yeah, Han Solo. Uh, Sung Kang. Fuck. Sung Kang, yeah. If you don't have uh, Lin and Sung Kang attached to this, and this is just uh, your man uh, Lucas Black <laughs> you know, <laughs> as the star of this, I don't think that movie works as well as it does. No. No, and I like the fan justice that they do of, like, the – so, and this is another thing that I always say that I think Justin Lin is the is the best at reading the audience after the films, and that mm. he takes a gauge of the feeling of the film afterwards, and he gives us more of what we liked from the last one. So, if you liked Han, Han comes back. If you liked, you know, going international, he goes somewhere else. Like, and I think that he does really good at reading the the tone the tone of the audience afterwards and trying to deliver as much as he can back to to give us what we want i mean i think if the question is how important is justin lynn to the franchise just the fact that he's back for nine and ten is just like we need the guy like he is the guy to come back yeah. right like i think i think and i don't remember the exact conflict but they wanted him i think to do seven but because he was doing that Star Trek movie or like schedules changed or whatever, he couldn't. Uh, so James Wan did seven. And then F. Gary Gray came in to do eight. But I think the fact that he's back is all you need to know. Like these are the movies that define the franchise. It's mm-hmm. in for better or worse, three and four sort of get things in the right direction. Then five and six are still the best. And they might, and we're, we're okay if five and six are the best. Cause they're still, they're still, they're so good. Yeah, but like, yeah. The fact that he's back, I think, is all you need to know. Like, they want the guy who can deliver the goods back at the helm. Yeah, and to me, that's like that's not a slight at Juan or Gray, who I think did decent jobs with those films. But there's a difference when you're the guy that's kind of built this foundation. Yep, yeah, I agree. Rather than you know you're somebody that's that's taking over the lease. You know, you didn't build it, but you're taking <laughs> over. Whereas if you built this thing brick by brick, I think it means more, and it comes across on the screen. Yeah, it feels natural. He he definitely he he has his own sense and taste and the drive that he wants to give to it. So yeah, it feels real. All right, so let's let's talk real quick about. I'm gonna give a brief, brief, brief plot summary okay. on this film, and then we can talk about the characters because I think that's probably 
for me, what makes this movie so great is not even the action. It's the family. Uh, so let's start with a little synopsis real quick. Uh, according to IMDb, Dominic Toretto and his crew of street racers plan a massive heist to buy their freedom while in the sights of a powerful Brazilian drug lord and a dangerous federal agent. Take my $10 oh. now, sir. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is, to me, this is a, a, like it's a fun action movie, but the cast with Vin Diesel, Paul Walker, RIP, uh, Jordana Brewster, Tyrese Gibson, uh, Ludacris, we can't Ludacris. forget Ludacris. Uh, no. Sung Kang, as you like, as you mentioned, we get Giselle uh, in this one. We Giselle, get, yeah, uh, who is a gal. I, I'm, I'm okay. How do you guys pronounce her last name? Yashar or wait, oh Gadot. It's Gadot. Yeah. Okay, because right. yeah, I've heard Gadot, 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 with no emphasis on the T, but it's Gadot. That's I, from what I understand. That's what that's how it goes. It's I'm still that's learning how to say said. her. And what's the <laughs> other one? I'm trying to oh. Uh, Zendaya, not Zendaya. Zendaya. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it is Zendaya because yeah, I heard her yeah. talk mm-hmm. about that. Uh, but so yeah, you got Gal Gadot, and then you've got, uh, and then of course you got Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Of course. Yeah. So let's let's just kind of go through the cast because this. Who's your is, favorite? Oh, oh, I mean, who's my favorite? The rock, besides the Rock. Besides the Rock. <laughs> okay, our, our, I've got two answers for this because I think in the course of the movie. And in the course of like personal preference, those are two different things. Yeah, fair. That's I think for the movie, the most important member, the favorite member of the crew, if you will, to me is Giselle. Like Giselle came up in the clutch in this movie. Yeah, of course. Yeah, like Giselle did. did things like that. You know, she was the one that that could ride the motorcycle. She was the one that found a way to get the uh, get the fingerprints when when Han wasn't able to. Fun yeah. fact, Giselle's name not said in this movie. Yeah, true. But Giselle, yeah, yeah, you're right. Giselle, Giselle's a Swiss Army knife, knife in this movie, right? Like, she's the one who – so they, they bring her in, and we were talking about this when we were just talking about this film on our lap. That, like, she doesn't have, a, like, a type, but she does everything in this yep. film. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, they give her so much, um, like – so much good like she could just do any possible she fits into every piece it's great yeah so giselle to me is is my mvp of the team but my favorite it's it's gotta be my boys uh rico and tego oh yeah <laughs> i love those guys man like and like they 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 do one thing well well two things well they bicker and they they create explosives Mm-hmm. And it's that's awful. all you need. Like they don't have to be the star. They don't need to be on center stage. They're just a, a role player. And every championship team needs some good role players. That's true. That's very true. They don't get enough credit. <laughs> I agree. Which, which uh, characters kind of stand out to you the most? Then over the multiple times you viewed this film, oh. I like. I like early on. I Joey. Joey. As the films progress, he gets a little leery here, but. I like Roman, man. Like, Roman mm. always gets me going. Like, you need a, a jester in every crew, right? So, like, I, that's why I like Roman the most in these films. And especially, like, when he just comes back and he gets to do, like, full Roman and, like, m- cracking jokes the whole time. Like, yeah. I'm a big fan. 
I thought you were going to go, because, I mean, Joe and I are both huge fans of Tokyo Drift and huge fans of Han. I mean, Han yeah. is just so cool, and he's kind of always in the background to a certain extent in these movies, because I think there are so many people, and he is, you know, in this movie, he's brought in as the chameleon, right? Like, he blends into the background, and I think that it works as he's sort of in the rear a little bit. He's there. You know, he and Giselle kind of act as this one team to get things done. I think Han is great. Um I love Elena. Like, Elena kind of goes away. Like, even from five to yeah, six. Yeah, I, I forget all about Dom Elena. Have, yeah, they have this huge, they have this great relationship here, you know. In the franchise right now, you know, Dom thinks Letty is dead. He's grieving over the loss of the love of his life. Mm-hmm. He finds Elena, who's also been mourning over the love of her life. And she, and then her husband or her partner is gone. And they connect. And, like, by the end and of the movie, And she's a cop, this, and he's a criminal. Yep. Like, it's completely it's basically it's basically the relationship i think he wants to have with with hobbs but he can't uh, <laughs> that he wanted to have with brian that he wants to have with hobbs yes. but he can't he can't and be so, true to himself exactly and so he and he and elena are there and then even when six starts like elena's just sort of cast aside like it's it's kind of a bummer but i think in this movie elena is like what i think the franchise does well and we try to highlight every time we can on the on, the, on our podcast is the franchise has really great strong female characters i think mm. and elena is one that even though she doesn't have a lot of screen time and she's always kind of second in command second yeah to the, to Letty, the rock sure. to hobbs and to letty to everybody yeah. i think that what she's given to do she she kills it like she's great yeah i will say like uh, i know these films kind of get a bad rap for kind of the visualizations that they put on the screen and, and their portrayals of women but if you look at the women that are important the women that have names should i say because Everybody's important. (laughs) Everybody has value. But if you look at the people that have names, the characters that have names, for the most part, they're all capable and and unique uh, and different, except for Gina Carano and Ronda Rousey, because they're the exact same character. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. on. I I, I need to stop this propaganda, because Joe Joe spouts the same thing. (laughs) Ronda Rousey is... I love her as a person, love watching her, you know, MMA. She cannot act. Gina Carano is Mm, is good. She Plays is a great. great. Heel. Yeah, yeah, she is good. I, uh, yeah, I, I will know, give you that. Yes, Gina Carano, you, you the, stumbled, the, the better actor. Into, you stumbled into a pet peeve fight that Joe and I have been having sort of off the entire podcast. Because I always call her fake Ronda Rousey. There's Ronda like, Rousey no, like, and fake Ronda Rousey. Yeah, call Joey Ronda Rousey fake Gina Carano. Because Gina Carano yes. sets the bar. Like, again, I will preach it here, too. Go see the movie Haywire. Haywire is an amazing action yes, film. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. Man, oh man. Okay, sorry. Didn't mean to to to, te- to talk at you, but I got I got to defend my girl Gina Carano. <laughs> and on your note, um, as much as they sexualize women, we always like to point out that they also sexualize men a lot. Mm-hmm. So if you're not yes. paying attention to it, there's lots of biceps, there's lots of abs, there's lots of handsome dudes in these films too. So like, they're I think they're pretty fair. It's something like, for everybody. There's something for everybody, man. You'll see somebody <laughs> sexy without a shirt on or with little clothing on in this film. Um. <laughs> uh... But I like that. Uh, I like that. I kind of stumbled into a, a disagreement that that the Joes have had because oh, I want to bring up something here that might be controversial and really doesn't have anything to do with this particular movie, except it does later on uh, okay. in the sequels. You brought up Han, Su Kang, mm-hmm. yes, Sun Kang, excuse me. Uh, one of my favorite characters in the franchise. I think. You're right. Like, you don't really notice him until he's got a big scene or something of that nature. I I love the relationship that blossoms between him and Giselle. And every time, you know, they want to hit us with that Tokyo lampshade that that anybody that's seen the other movies knows that's what's going to happen. But what do you make about Justice for Han? Because we've just seen, for for those 
that are listening now in, in 2020 currently, you know, Hobbs and Shaw was a, was a, was a big film last year. Yeah. But Hobbs was teaming up with a man that killed one of the family. Shaw sure. killed Han. And so what do you make of the, the, the way that these films kind of deal with that and the, the entire kind of Justice for Han uh, movement uh, as well? So I, I think that the, we, we definitely talked about this, and, and I do feel the Justice for Han thing, but at the same side, you have to flip it, and you have to look at it from Shaw's perspective. And Shaw was just taking care of his own family, mm-hmm. and we're removed from that. Mm. So in, in the core essence, though, Shaw is the most family-oriented guy besides Dom, right? Like, he's taking care of his mom, his sister, his other brother, Deckard, or, right, Owen? Owen? Yeah. And um, so if you really dig into it, I think that you can respect that he was also doing a familial thing. And just because Han is part of our family, that we're so upset about it. Um, I still want justice for Han, but I'm not as upset as I was now that Hobbs and Shaw came out and, you, and they, you've established how much of a family man he is himself. Mm. So two sides, two things to this. Number one, we have heard supposedly, that we're going to get Justice for Han. They keep saying, we're going to get Justice for Han. We hear you out there. We hear you saying it. There's more movies. We're going to handle it. So they they know that this is a thing that they want to handle. Yeah, We'll see if it happens. But number two, I think what's interesting sort of is that Hobbes is now kind of sort of family, but he's not exactly family, right? Like he's not Mm. there. He's not really part of Dom's crew. Both, both on and off screen. (laughs) Exactly. Very much. More so off screen than on screen. Uh, (laughs) the riffs there but he's not it's not like he was friends with han he knew of han he kind of worked with han in five and six whatever but it's not like they were close and so i don't think that there's really a need for him to be like whoa 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 i can't i mean he hates shaw for lots of different reasons but i don't think the fact that justice for like i don't mind the shaw the hobbs and shaw dynamic from a justice for han perspective because i don't Mm. think hobbs and han i don't think there's much of a history there right yeah, so I think that we, we kind of run a middle-of-the-road kind of gambit on this now that we've like really tried to suss it out as deep as we could get. After watching Hobbs and Shaw, I think you certainly feel more empathy for Deckard. And yeah. while you don't excuse his actions, you kind of understand them more. I just yep. think that once and, – and, and I think you make a good point in that we really haven't had Shaw interact with the family so much as he's interacted with with uh, Hobbs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so once, because you know they're all going to come back together in ten. Yeah, I'm absolutely. assuming. Yeah. That, to me, that's a scene that needs to happen, though. And and he and he did Dom a solid, right? He saves Dom's son for him. Yeah. So like, if that's a little bit of a balance, you know, now that he knows them, he's a good guy to them, right? Like he hasn't done them wrong since he's like befriended them. <laughs> since I killed Han and tried to kill that baby. <laughs> <laughs> Since I tried to blow up Brian's house, I've been a good guy. Come on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, people change. People change. Oh, <laughs> um, let's 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 keep going down this path. You know, I, I'm enjoying the kind of side roads and detours that we're Good. taking on this conversation, fellas. Uh, Dwayne Johnson and Vin Diesel. Yes. Obviously, two very imposing men. Two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gentlemen with with a with a magnetic screen presence when when you watch them on film, but for whatever reason, and you might have more info on this than I, 
they haven't been able to see eye to eye on the set of these Fast and Furious movies. Do you think that we will see, you know, maybe if it's 10, maybe something beyond that. Do you think we will see a situation where we get Hobbs and Dom back kind of on the same page, both on screen and off screen? You know, I think I've been saying that since Hobbs and Shaw came out, that's one of the not disagreement in that, like, one of us is right, one of us, like, we both think the other's wrong or whatever. But, like, sort of the way that Joe and I sort of see the next three or four movies, because like, there's got to be a Hobbs and Shaw 2 in there somewhere. There's going to be Fast mm-hmm. and Furious 9, Fast and Furious 10. And I think when Hobbs and Shaw came not out, if Tyrese was... has any say in the matter. Oh God! <laughs> well, yeah, but also I mean, Ty- Tyrese, in terms of the power rankings of the totem pole, Tyrese is very near. Like we almost have more power in terms of the movies being made. <laughs> Much love, Tyrese. No, no disrespect there. But... So you're saying he's a buster? No, he's not. I just don't think he has much say in the right. the filming. I, I yeah, he's probably he's probably low on the call sheet. Yes. Yeah, and I think especially since Paul Walker passed away, R.I.P. I think that mm. Tyrese's pull has gotten even less because I think he was there I, yep. with Paul, and now that Paul's not there, he's just kind of there, like, hey, hey, Vin, I'm uh, I'm here too. Remember, remember me? He's kind of been grandfathered in. Exactly. Yeah. But the one thing that I think after Joe and I saw Hobbs and Shaw, and we talked about it a lot after that, both on air and off air, and. Joe was saying, you know, I don't see any way that, like, they're never going to share a screen together. You know, Hobbs and Dom, they're done. Like, it's over. Like, there's nothing. They're, they're divergent paths. And I kept saying over and over again, that feels like, based on some recent news stories, that this might be closer to the truth. I see no way in which Fast Furious 10, yeah. everybody doesn't come back together. Yeah. Because, like, mm. even before all these news stories came out, like, I don't see a world in which – Especially thinking what, like we were saying earlier, that Hobbs, that The Rock as an actor is so important to the franchise, both narratively and financially and story, like all of it. Like for him to just be gone because like there's beef. Like I know that Vin wants this to be his, and I know that Vin has an, an ego, and I and think he that's deserves what it. Is. it. But yeah, I think that's... that he also knows he wants these movies to be as good as possible, and I think that to make these movies as good as possible, you need all the parts back in there. So you need to bring in Shaw in some way. You need to bring back Hobbs in some way. You need to have these people back together, and I don't, I don't see any world in which they don't somehow put aside their differences. Even if they film separately and they green screen them, they CGI them together, <laughs> whatever, I don't see a world in which the characters of Hobbs and Dom are not on screen again together. I, I think that Dom will come around, and I think that this was a giant ego thing, and I think that bec- when The Rock came in and became essentially the real star of the Fast and Furious franchise, he had to be a little hurt by it, right, because this is mm. his baby, and I think that that's where this fight stems from, but I think that Dom will be s- – like uh, – sorry, like Vin Diesel will be so – enamored with how big the franchise is around 10 that he just can't try to even try to keep the rock out right like he's gonna have to bring him in and he's gonna be like look we, we got to be men about this and and because it's his baby he's gonna have to give the fans what they want and i think that he loves the fan reaction to it so much that he wouldn't deprive us of it because of his ego mm-hmm. yeah i i'm kind of i'm kind of with you guys on this because i think that it's very easy to kind of have an ego and 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 have your feelings hurt and, and feel some type of way when you're doing separate things. You know, we've got yep. Fast Nine and then you've got, you know, your Hobbs and Shaw offshoots. But Fast Ten, if it is the culmination of this story, if it is their end game, so to speak, I don't think Vin Diesel's going to be that obstinate that he would be like, No, we don't want Dwayne involved with this in any way. I agree. And on, yeah. I think The Rock is professional enough that 
whatever personal feelings he may or may not have for Vin Diesel, he's going to come in and do his job because I, I think that's the type of actor he is. I, I, I think, of, yeah, I think that The Rock, like, I, I'm 100% with you. He seems the most professional out of all of them. Like, he's going to come in, he's going to deliver no matter what. I'm sure that, like, from his wrestling career, I'm sure that there's plenty of people that he was interacting with on a daily basis yep. that he might not like, but he just, you know, you suck it up, you're a professional, this is your job, go do your job. I think at the end of the day, both in terms of the characters, but also in terms of the actors, they are a family of a certain kind, right? And you can fight with your family, you can be upset at your family, but at the end of the day, you're still bonded by something. And I think that they're going to come together and it's going to work out in one way or another, or it's not. But like, I think that if they come together, like, look, after this movie, we never have to work together again. We never have to talk to each other again, but let's do this one for the fans. I think that they, even if they hate each other, I think yeah. there's enough good, like goodwill so that they feel toward the franchise and toward the fans to do something for everyone. Yep. And I like I like that Joe brought up the wrestling aspect because it wouldn't surprise me being the the consummate worker that Dwayne Johnson is if him and Vin kind of had this thing where they kind of played it up and then one of the big scenes towards the end of Fast 10 is kind of Hobbs and Dom going their separate ways, and they get this big hero shot, handshake, whatever. And yeah. we kind of strung you guys along, but here's the payoff to this, oh. to this story. I think I even, I might have had that theory, because, like, we, we don't, it's hard to know what's real and what's not, because, like, this could all be blustered, like, this is the movie that's going to bring them back together, right? Like, it's, yep. you could be playing the heel in real life, but it's all meant to, like, we don't know. And, this, this and they just question. didn't tell Tyrese they left them out of the loop. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> No, no, but that was on purpose. Yeah, that was on purpose. Like he's like the believable. Like, come on, guys. Like, I just want like go like like you know, well, screw this guy or whatever. Like, I feel like that <laughs> might be part of it. But I feel like we don't know from movie to movie how much they have planned that. It feels like they kind of know where they want to end, mm. but we don't know. Especially going backwards, like when when they make five, you know, like Joe was saying, with Justin Lin, like listen to the audience, with the writers listen to the audience, seeing what people like, seeing what people don't like. We don't know how important things are from one movie to the other it's not really until six and we just talked about six on a recent episode that we recorded that there's really a oh wow these movies are interconnected in a way that we didn't realize before and we don't know if that was always back the same thing with han right like han dies spoilers sorry i guess uh but we don't know you can bleep that if you want but we don't know like we didn't know what that meant until six and seven right like we don't know what all this, how how well in advance they think it out. And so maybe there's masterminds behind the scenes that it's all a wrestling stunt publicity and they all hate, they don't actually hate each other. I would love, I would love for nothing more than for them to be like, hey, by the way, after Hobbs and Shaw 2, we got a Hobbs and Dom movie coming out. Be like, oh my Ooh. God. <laughs> oh. Take my $10 now. Uh, yeah, the internet would lose their minds if that happened. Yeah. So would we. I mean, for sure. Um, let's let's hit a couple points uh, with the the Fast Five film proper though because earlier you mentioned that there are generally two types of fans in your experience of the Fast franchise there are the action fans and there are the car fans Mm -hmm. and in this movie you know we get a little I think this is this is why this might be my favorite of the Fast films because I think it's the best blend of both okay yeah because we, we do get some cars yet. Yeah, because yeah. we get some really cool car scenes, including like the the gang, uh, the, the family has a race, and then we get the scene later on with the uh, with the safe in Rio. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the part where they they hijack the train. Yeah, they uh, drift through the thing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so in in terms of like just sticking to the car action for this for this uh, part right here, what did you guys make in, in terms of what Fast Five brought to the table with their stunts and with the set pieces as opposed to the previous four Fast films? I, this this is the pinnacle. Like the only thing that I think tops this is. Uh, the plane scene in six. Yeah. And I think they just had to do that just to one up this film. But I think that they, the car wise, we get a race of the family, which is something that we, we don't really see since one, right? Like we get like bits and pieces of it here and there, but we never get like, like, cause we didn't have all the characters to play with. So you get like a Dom Brian. This is, we, we were just talking about this. Like, I think this is only the second time ever that Dom and Brian race. Mm. Right. Like oh well the third time because you got like the one at the beginning of one the one the one at the end of one but this is like the first time that they're like racing again well, so there's, there's the one in four when Dom taps Brian's fender right so what when they're like doing the when they're racing the for pre race yeah to race to be on Braga's team but they're not yeah, like yeah, yeah. racing each other right they're kind of like racing together yeah. So yeah, it I I love the set the car set pieces in this one. I think it's top tier. I love Tokyo Drift just because of how like mind blowing it was for me at the time, and there's a lot of nostalgia there. But I think like overall, like you get in, like more action and stuff like that too. The the uh the what was it? The safe scene is just incredible. Yeah. I mean, the safe scene. It's hard to imagine any movie doing it better than the safe scene. Like the safe scene, like the how they actually did that. Like there's some really great YouTube videos about that. Like the actual, like the like what ha- what you see in the movie is incredible. How they did it, how they actually pulled it off, is even more so. Like mm. that safe scene is just great, and the fact that it's led, it's a car scene. Like sometimes we wonder if they have an idea for an action scene and they have to figure out how to bring cars in. But like there, it feels organic, right? Like it feels mm-hmm. like we need to get the safe out. We need to steal the money. How are we going to do it? Oh, we're going to have these two super hyper powered cars and get it done. And it doesn't feel like a stretch. Like, Oh, this is a car movie. We need cars in the final action piece. Like it feels like it makes sense. It drives. And I think that later movies, they kind of do car stuff just because they need to do car stuff. They need to get from place to place. But here it feels organic to the plot and to the action. And I feel like that's why it's a great blend of that car, of that action. And I think maybe why it works so well for you. Like the safe scene is so great that you forget that there's probably a lot of wounded people in Rio de Janeiro <laughs> after that takes place. It's like, yeah, they just drove a safe through a bank, but you don't care because it's so cool. Well, we we were we we look at it, and I don't really think that they show civilians getting hurt. <laughs> Everybody that gets like really wrecked in the chase scene is a cop, and before that, they establish like every bad cop in Rio is going to be yeah, followed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, okay, they're all bad guys. So, like all these people we're going to kill, it's all right, and then like, and we're okay <laughs> with it, you know. <sighs> There's a lot of damage here. Just the infrastructure. Of Rio at this point. The people on Saturday trying to get their deposit from the bank, they can't do that now. It's all because of Dom and the family. I have, I have a question for you that we often ask on our podcast, and you brought up it, the, the relationship between Marvel and the Fastiverse. Do you, who do you think does more damage? The Avengers or mm. the Fastiverse? Like, just generally to cities and stuff. <laughs> oh... See, the fast damage is really specific damage. Yeah. But it's like, it's, 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 it's impactful damage. Whereas I think the Marvel damage is more widespread, but we don't often see like 
individuals uh, yes. in the line of fire, uh, which makes it maybe makes it feel less uh, urgent. Okay, but then, I, mean, I just point out they destroyed the entire city of Sokovia. I mean, like, like they're they're the damage over in the Avengers is like. I mean that problem. that was what are you gonna do? Ultron takes <laughs> over. I what mean, you gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> But I think the Fastverse can hold a candle to the Avengers damage. Yes, like, I, I would local. say it's, it's probably Avengers number one, Fastverse number two, Man like of Steel they, number three. If they ever cross paths, I think the Avengers would be like, God damn it, we have to clean up after the Fastverse. You know what I mean? Like, they would be like, oh, <laughs> fuck. Like, oh, and uh, the, other, the other aspect of this film that I wanted to touch on really quick, guys, is the thought of family. Because that is something that is ingrained in all of these films and in this one not only do we have you know the crew assembling but we also get uh the announcement of mia being pregnant with with brian's child mm -hmm. and that plays into the later films uh what, what did you make of kind of the family stuff going on whether it was a team dynamic or brian and mia or even uh dom and elena who i feel gets short shrift in in these films I mean, family is what these movies are all about, right? So, I mean, family is the core of everything. And I think the baby stuff, like what we've what we've been tracking on the current lap, which I think as people are listening to this was is the lap that we're just about finishing now. We've been tracking the Paul Walker character, the Brian O'Connor character. And I think that family life, him with Mia, him with the babies, has really grounded him in a way that change, like visibly, I think, and dramatically changes his character. Mm. I think that it's really kind of remarkable to see that in the early movies, he's kind of more uptight. He's more angry. But then in this movie, and especially in six, and then, you know, what he does in seven, and seven's an interesting case study because he died while they were making the movie. But, like, especially in six, like, he's a much more mellow, much more laid back person. Yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's a family man now. And, I mean, family has always been the core tenet, the core facet of these movies and how they relate with one another. The characters all love one another, like their family. But I think it's literally the growth of the O'Connor family, him and Mia having a baby, that kind of shapes who he is. And so I think in the family element, especially the baby element, is a huge uh, thing in this movie, especially in terms of character development. Yeah, the only the only family qualm that I have with this film is that we have to wait for Letty to come back. Mm. And, and that's because she's such a, a pivotal part of the family to me and I think to, like, all of us when we talk about these, that, like – just the lack of her but if you we always like kind of pair five and six together so i think that it's a nice setup to bring her back into the family but um yeah this family runs deep in this one and this is where we start adding more family and bringing their individual families together right because like brian doesn't really know han and five yeah and you know, like and and nobody knows Tyrese, so like we start to and and um ludicrous, so like we start to blend the two families together to make like the the real foundation that we have for for the rest going forward. Yeah, I think my favorite scene in this movie, and it's it's funny talking about a film uh, that is is all action uh, or mostly action. I think my favorite scenes in this movie are the ones where they're the quieter moments with the family. Yeah. Where yeah, they're like devising the, the plan and things like that. Yes. The barbecue where the, you know, the scenes where they're devising the plans where you get like the interaction between Ludacris and Tyrese or Paul Walker and Vin Diesel, or, you know, you got 
uh, Han, you know, interacting with Giselle, like just seeing this group of people, this crew go from being just a crew to becoming a, a family. Like that might be my favorite part of the film. And I think that they actually have real chemistry. And I think that that's yes. what we see. Like, I, I don't think that you can fake this level of like, I think that all these guys really get along on set. And I think that they have a good time and like, maybe not all of them all of the time together. But I think that like, there definitely are some clicks there that there's like real friendships that exist in the Fastiverse because like, it's just too genuine for you to, to just have it on screen and then be like, Oh, we, none of us talk. We all hate each other. Right. Now I'm just, oh, I might be blind. I might be confusing this with six because I watched both of them this past week. But is five? Five is the one where Vin gives like the the the, the toast, right? The most important people are the people in this room. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He gives. I, he, the, yeah, it's definitely this one that he does. The most important people are the people in this room. Yeah. For some reason, I keep and I think you've talked about it on on the podcast, Joe. For some reason, in my mind. Michelle Rodriguez is in that scene, and so that's I why I, I thought it was six. But then I'm like, no, she <laughs> no. wasn't. <laughs> yeah, she, you know, you just your brain puts her in this movie. I was saying this the last time we were talking about this film that like I always remember her being in the background of this film, but she's not. So it's mm. like a really weird thing to go back, like because she her her through her character is so big for the for the franchise that like I can't imagine she's not in this movie and when I'm watching it like I piece her into it because I know what you know like they're talking about her throughout it so because yeah, the big family moment in six is at the end they have the barbecue after they get the house back and it's yes. weird yeah. like, we've talked about it a little bit but I don't know if we've really gone into the full depths of how weird that is because Letty is back still probably with mostly amnesia Gisela's dead. I mean, yeah. like, there's like there's chaos there in terms of like emotional states, and everybody's like, "Hey, you know, grab a beer, have a good time. Like things are great now." And then you know, fast forward to the beginning of seven, that house is about to get blown up. Like things are very bad at that moment, and mm. yet it doesn't matter because everybody's like, "Hey, man, it's a barbecue." And then you know, Brian's snitching on Roman for eating too quick. But like, <laughs> it's a really kind of somber time. But yeah, I think you're right in that the most important people in the room is in five because five feels more of like the family movie like at the end like i think the high point for the family is when they steal the safe when they crack that open donza Caduro plays like that is the best mm. family moment i think in any of the movies they're that they've set ever done. yeah yeah I, I, I love just kind of the and again going back to that scene just where it feels like these are a group of people that you not only want to watch but that you're rooting for and i think that's that's an important piece of, of this film like yeah, this is car stuff. This is an action movie, but it's also very much an Oceans movie. It's a heist film. And we, for that to work, you have to like the, the people involved in the heist. So we we talk about this a lot, and we, we don't know if there's any truth to this, but we talk about this a lot. And now with Hobbs and Shaw coming out and the little nod we get there, that there's rumors that this script was Italian Job 2. And they yep. adapted mm. it to the Fastiverse. Called the Brazilian job. Interesting. And we and read that they... somewhere online. We didn't make it up, although it feels kind of like we made it up because we can't find the proof and like <laughs> listeners can't find the proof either. So we might have made it up. But now in Hobbs and Shaw, like Joe was saying, you know, Jason Statham nods at the little mini Cooper. He's like, oh, that's about a job I did back in Italy. And mm, so now yep. we know that Handsome Rob and Shaw are the same person, ostensibly. Yep. And so there's a little bit more of that link there, too. Oh, this this movie, this movie. Let's see. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think. Do I want to, do I want to hit more on the family before we go to the to the uh, star of this movie? Let's. 
yeah, let's go to the start because we can come back to the family a little bit later. But the star of this movie, of mm-hmm. course, is one Luke, Rebecca Hobbs. If, if we are to believe <laughs> Ryan Reynolds and Hobbs and Shaw, of course, our man Dwayne the Rock Johnson and, and, and Old Testament uh, man, as they say. Uh, what, what what did you guys make of the Rock in this first role in the Fast and Furious universe? Um, I think um, that that they kind of they kind of pin him in this one, right? And this is his first introduction to the Fast and Furious, and I think he knew how serious it was for the franchise. And I think that he is a little restrained in this film because he hasn't established what the character is. And I think he's playing yeah. a little bit with like the boundaries of what he can do and what he can't do. And it's very serious, which is good for the character at this time too, because we need to have the evolution of him loosening up a little bit, but the, it's a good starting point for what we get later on. It's not my favorite Hobbs, but it's, it's a good basis. Yeah. I think that they're writing a character to the rock as he exists as an actor and a personality at that point, And they're not writing a character as much. And, you know, the current lap that we're on, the one that's finishing as this episode comes out, our guest is not, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to blaspheme here on the Rocky might be a picture show, but she's not <laughs> loving the Hobbs character so far. She's not really feeling the Rock's performance. And I'm like, just wait. Like, we, we keep saying, just wait till seven a little bit and then really eight and then Hobbs and Shaw. Like, the, the growth of this he character opens. Like a military archetype, it's a blossoming. Exactly. It opens. It's a blossoming. It's a blooming of this character from being just like a stone-cold Old Testament, fire, brimstone, whatever, to him coaching a girl's soccer team yes. and, and making like, <laughs> weird faces. Like, it's just, it's such an amazing growth in a way that I don't know that a lot of the other characters really have grown. Like, I think this character changes much more than Brian or Dom changes. I don't think Dom... Mm. They they both kind of soften a little bit as family, as things happen. But in terms of the three-dimensionality of the characters, I think they both they all started in a better place, but they haven't really changed much over the franchise. No, I think that, I think that the whole point of the franchise is every time they introduce a character to us that's, like, that's very pivotal to the franchise that you're you're learning about them they start out in a very binary world right like Hobbes is like old testament right and wrong he's a cop and that every one of these characters starts to just find their gray area Mm. like the area of like stuff that they will allow as their mind opens and that's what we see with brian that's what we see with dom like every one of these characters we see that so i think that they are following the same trajectory and they keep adding a character like that even shaw you know like he's just like just criminal now he's helping hobbs and like that's that's the through line that we see through all these characters yeah i think this character this version of hobbs is really not that much different than roadblock from gi joe it's, oh, we we haven't gotten the second GI Joe yet. We saw the first one. We did not ah, see where the where where the where the uh, the rock comes in. Yeah, well, it, this this version of Hobbs feels very much like that version of Roadblock that Rock plays, in that he yeah he's a hard ass. You know exactly what he's here for. You know mm-hmm. exactly what he's here to do. And yeah, you're right. The 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 arc that we see over the next few movies, where we go from this guy who is all about doing things by the book to where he becomes a part of the family. You know, he's not he's not in the main family picture, but he's yeah. he's at the barbecue. And so he's you know, he's he's switched sides, so to speak. So I think he does a really good job. They don't ask him to do too much though. And I think that's really smart at this point in his career. 
And I think that that's what like what you're getting at. If he's you know he's playing a GI Joe type character, they're they're kind of typecasting him. They know that he can do this, and they're like, okay, come in and do what you've been doing. You know, just play like giant military guy. And like, but he but he is so charismatic, and he's so much more that it lends them to be able to open the character up. And I think that mm. he had a lot of influence over his own character too. Especially like when we get to the stuff with his daughter. Like, yes. I think it works so well, particularly, like, knowing the relationship The Rock has with his own children. Like, it's – you mm-hmm. see him on Instagram or on Twitter where yep. he's just this big, muscly dude, but he's – his he, his girls have him wrapped around their fingers. For sure, yeah. <laughs> now, can we hit you with a, with a character theory that we have? Mm, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Joe, you okay. want to – you want, yeah, all right. So I think I know where you might be headed, and I, I, I'm definitely here for it, and I want the listeners to, to hear this as well. So your fourth episode, you covered a movie called Be Cool. Yes. In which The Rock played a gay character. For a long time, this was inspired by my other podcasting partner, Mike Manzi, resident historian Mike Manzi. Uh, we, he and I do a bunch of podcasts together. He did an entire lap of Too Fast, Too Forever with me and Joe. The three of us kind of came up with a theory that we think there's a chance – that Hobbs is gay, that he has a daughter, but we don't know. And just there's we're, we're trying to figure out because there's as as good as these movies do in terms of diversity, as good as these movies do in terms of showing a lot of different people on screen. One area where they're really kind of lacking is in the sexuality spectrum. It feels like there's a lot of, you know, sort of overt homosexuality, yes. even though the first movie is kind of a soft reboot of Point Break. And both that movie, both of those movies are very homoerotic in, you know, Keanu and Patrick Swayze kind of have a love thing going on. And in mm. the first movie, you know, Vin Diesel and Paul Walker kind of have a, a love thing going on. And over, as the movies have progressed, characters are kind of sort of asexual. But we, we, got, we got to thinking, you know, The Rock is, he shows no affection. You know, he's picking these beautiful female partners, not showing them any kind of like, yep. you know, not even like casually. Objectifying them, them right? Yeah. All he mentions their brains. He mentions yes. how smart they are, how and good so at their jobs they are. It was kind of an idea to balance the franchise a little bit, how cool it would be, I think, for a franchise that really is to the mainstream to make a character that is so powerful and so masculine and so strong be, be what people necessarily wouldn't think of. Not that – not that, and I, I don't know how to say this right, but like I think it would mean a lot to a lot of people if a character like this were, turned out to be gay. Yeah, and we in, in terms, of the, in terms yeah. of the representation and kind of yes. going against exactly. the, the stereotypical thought that, yes. that folks would have. And we get to Hobbs and Shaw, and he's kind of got a thing with Hattie. Yeah, that, see, that's where I was going to go, because I, I like where you guys are headed with the theory, but Hobbs and Shaw, to me, if not outright refutes it, it, it brings it into question. It brings it yeah. into question, but we're also, now we're on the train of sort of, you know, is he bi, is he whatever, and then... On this very lap, there's the you know the iconic quote from Fast and Furious Four by Vin Diesel, where he says he re- he appreciates a good body regardless of make. Yes. And our guest was like, oh, maybe he's pan. And so like there's a whole like sexuality thing that we're we're playing with here huh. that we're just I mean this is also the kind of thing where like we've watched each of these movies and we've yeah, talked about each of these movies five times <laughs> now. Like we don't know what else to talk about already, and this is going to go on forever. But I think it would be cool. In a, in, a, in a franchise that prides itself, I think, on diversity, to not really represent different kind of sexualities, there's we, we had for a while that we thought maybe Hobbes was gay, and it's, it kind of fell through, and, you know, we still, I'm still, we're, we're holding on a little I, bit of hope, I think. And I also think The Rock is, like, a guy that 
would be totally down with yeah. doing this. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I think he will be on board with it and it doesn't need to be like a major part of the story, but just like in passing, you know, like he just, you know, mentions it and people will be like, damn, there's somebody for everybody in these movies. Like we can, we all have representation here. And I think that would be really cool for the franchise. Yeah, and I, I love that you bring up be cool. Cause that to me is one of his best acting jobs early on in his career. Yeah, where he's definitely playing against type. And I think, you know, that was the movie which, which kind of caused a rift between him and, and Vince McMahon to a certain extent. And Ooh. it took a while to kind of get back on the same page, in part because The Rock is playing somebody that is so opposite of the character that he played on their TV. You know, where, where instead yeah. of being this smack-talking, super cool alpha male, he's this, this gay guy who just wants to be an actor. And just wants to live his dreams, and he's stuck working for these idiots and be cool. <laughs> and so, like, I, I I love be cool. I think it's it's an underrated movie. It's not great, but the parts that work for me really work. Uh, and yeah, I think if if they were to introduce that aspect uh, to Hobbs's character, I don't think The Rock would be like, oh no, I can't do that, brother. I think he would he would embrace that and Same. and and take up the challenge because yeah, I think The Rock would enjoy it not only in terms of giving. Uh, representation for people out there who don't always get the best examples on screen, but I think The Rock would enjoy it as a challenge as an actor as well. Yeah, that's what and I was going to say. I think this that, is something like, else that I can add to this character. He's shown that he can be dynamic enough to play a whole bunch of different types of roles. It's got to mm. be boring to be basically the same character in every movie. On the one hand, I get it, because you're hiring The Rock for the movie. The fans who are coming to see the movie have a certain expectation. They want to see this guy, you know, this guy who's like 300 pounds of pure muscle, whatever he weighs. Like, he's just like the perfect physical specimen. He's just like all of his, like, his Instagram is a better movie than most movies that come out. Like, his Instagram <laughs> is just incredible. Like, his his cheat meals, so, oh, his the workout, cheat meal. all of it. Everything. But, like, I think it's a difficult thing to balance. Like, people want to see... Hob, like the rock as Hobbs, the rock as this, you know, budding superstar, whatever. But I think if you're Dwayne Johnson, you got to look at yourself and be like, I could keep doing this, but is this as far as I can go? I think you might want to push yourself. Like it's, it's the kind of thing, like, not that he needs to have his career saved, but is it the kind of thing where like Quentin Tarantino could put him in a role or like one of those kind of directors where it's like, mm. oh, like this is a brand new way to look at him. And I feel like there's a handful of directors that do that really well. And I think especially, you know, like look at Robert Pattinson, someone who has gone from being the Twilight boy to being one of like one of my oh, favorite actors because like, actor. I think he just makes yeah. interesting choices and he just is awesome on screen. And I think if you work with kind of indie directors and I think DJ is kind of in an interesting place where he's almost too big to do those kind of movies, but like he could also yeah. financially, he could, you know what I mean? It's just about, I think it's about balancing. And I think that I would love to see him play more characters like and be cool if he can, if, if, if honestly, if Hollywood would let him, because well, see, that, that to me is the big off. thing. Like they, like the rock might have his ideas of what he wants to do, but the box office that these movies right. are making, mm -hmm. it's yeah. kind of hard to turn that away. Like, a film that I'm interested in seeing is Black Adam because I think that's yeah. something where, yes, it's a superhero film, but he can, if he wants to, he can kind of twist it and make it something that is not your average ordinary film. Like, I'm not saying it has to be Joker or anything like that, but it certainly yeah. could be something that's not, you know, a cookie cutter, copy and paste DC film. Yeah. For sure. And I think DC is sort of setting the path to go there. Like, they're getting a little weird. Like, they tried to do the gritty thing. 
it didn't work. And now you have like Aquaman and Shazam where things yeah. are allowed to get a little weird. And I'm excited for Black Adam. I want to see where it goes. I'm right there with you. So let's let's wrap up on the on a happy note here with the film because uh obviously spoiler alert they uh they they recover the safe they get the money <laughs> they they the, the day is saved uh, Reyes doesn't doesn't get his riches and uh they split the money and everybody kind of goes their separate ways we get scenes of uh the various guys and and girls doing what what they will with their money ludicrous. Uh, Taz goes home and opens up a garage, and mm-hmm. him and Roman are still bickering. We see uh, my boys uh, Rico and, and Tigo uh, <laughs> doing the most idiotic thing ever and just putting all of their money on <laughs> on one roll at the roulette table. Uh, and then, of course, we got uh, we got uh, uh, Brian and Mia and uh, Dom and Elena. And, and so where, th- where we leave things off with the family at the end of five uh, – I thought that if they didn't want to make any more movies, this kind of serves as the perfect ending to the series. And it's weird because I feel like it's the perfect ending, but it also is like the perfect beginning and perfect launching pad for what's to come. True. And they left it in a beautiful place. I agree with you because we could easily be like these people live happily ever after and be totally okay with that. And we like get just enough to see that they're okay, but they're doing the same personality things that we love (laughs) them for. And at the same sense, we could be like they can come right back into this next movie if they want to, too. And I think the, the, the studio knew this like they set it up like. And and obviously when it you know made a like half a billion dollars they were like okay I guess we're making another one of these yeah I mean like I said this is the first one that I saw I think we, another game that we play a lot and sort of like it's less of a game and more of like an, a thought process thought exercise is if you're showing these movies to a friend you're showing these movies to a family member what order do you show them and if you only show them three which three do you show them if you only show them one which one do you show them and I feel like in most of these like five is in the permutations like five is either the first one you show, one of the three, the only one you show. Like, this kind of has everything. And, like, yeah, it helps if you've seen the earlier movies before. But you don't need to. You don't to. need to. Mm. It's, it's we'll, we'll get to it in a second with our ratings, but I think this is probably my favorite of the Fast films. My I mean, six, six is right up there. Seven is is up there for different reasons just you know because of the emotion Mm -hmm. with with paul walker and everything but i think like nothing that came before five and really nothing that come after came after five kind of hits all the right notes the way five did and the only thing to me that five was lacking was letty yep i agree with you yeah that's that's why six just edges it out just a hair for me and like the wacky plane scene it's just like it's just a hair more but like i I think this one might be more fun we were just talking about like ranking them by fun and this Mm. one might be more fun it's just like it's more wholesome we don't have anybody like leaving so like we get letty back but we lose giselle in the next one so it's a little bit more somber like this one's fun man we lose giselle and then isn't that the one where we get the uh the the post-credit scene with han yeah, and Decker. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. like yeah. yeah. So yeah, it, it it like six is a great movie, but it ends with two gut punches. It does for sure. Yeah, there's there's nothing sad about this movie. Like the fact that Letty not being there when you when you're removed from it may be sad, but there's nothing really like everything here like happens. The, it works. The heroes, it, everything works. Yeah, out that's for that's a really good point because if you if you watching this movie fresh and you don't know Letty, you don't miss her. 
Oh yeah, like when I saw this for the first time, I was like, "Oh, there's Michelle Rodriguez. I wonder what her role in this is." Like, because it's like such an important reveal in the credits, and I'm just like, "Yeah, I got, I got no idea who that is or why, why it matters. <laughs> it's weird." Yep. Oh, so yes, let's let's get to our rating scale here, fellas. And 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 on the Rocky Maivia Picture Show, we have a patented rating system on a scale Love of it. one to five. Now, if a movie is perfect and 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 just a a pitch perfect film that's a five out of five we just went one-on-one with the great one if a movie is really good it's strong it's solid but there's one or two things that keep it from being perfect that's a four out of five that's the people's champ okay now if a movie is good but not great if it's average you know if it's something you can just put on on a rainy day and watch on cable or something like that that's a three out of five that's a know your role. Now, if a movie, <laughs> and I love how these 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 puns are hitting Joe in a way that Joey cannot <laughs> comprehend. <laughs> I get a little bit. I don't get a lot of it. I get a little bit of it. <laughs> uh, if, if a movie is bad, but it does have redeeming qualities, or you know, maybe it's a bad movie, but Dwayne is good in it, or Dwayne's bad, but the movie around him is pretty solid. That's a two out of five. That's a jabroni joint. <laughs> And if a movie is terrible, if a movie is, is so bad, Dwayne Johnson can't even save it. If a movie is Doom, which we have reviewed on this show, oh. that, that's a one out of five. That is a rock bottom. <laughs> so. uh, I just watched a video today of, of The Rock doing The Rock Bottom when he slid in his dress shoes. Like he did like the sliding uh, yeah. one. I don't know what I don't know who posted it today, but I was just I was just watching that. That's awesome. So, uh, Joe, on that scale, on that scale of one to five, where I think I know where you're going, but what would you give? So fast. Am I am I rating this based just on the movie or like calculating in Hobbs into the rating? Okay, let's do two. Give give me a rating for the for the film, and then give me a rating for Hobbs in this one. Okay, I, I'm gonna say this is one-on-one with a great one mm. for a movie. Like I think this is top tier. This is a movie that I love watching. I never get sick of watching it. We've watched it like so many times now, and, and I always will love it. But I think because, and only because I know of where Hobbs goes as a character, that this got to be a four or five okay. for me. Because because I, I want more of the Rock, like a later Hobbs, and if I could just have a little bit more personality from him in this one, I think this would be like probably like one of my favorite movies of ever that he would ever be in. Like I don't think it could be topped, you know? Yeah, because he's got like the anger and the physicality, especially yes. in those scenes with Dom. But we don't quite get the charm that that we'll no. get later. If we would just had the scene with him and his daughter and the soccer team in this one somehow, yes, been perfect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about you, Joey? You know, I don't think it should come as any surprise, the fact that we have an entire Fast and Furious podcast, that I said this is my favorite one in the franchise, that this movie, as a movie, we just went one-on-one with a great one. Like, this mm-hmm. is, yeah. you know, I'm I'm currently, you know, as we record this, working on my favorite movies of the decade list. It's up at cageclub.me if you want to check it out. You know, this is one of my favorite movies of the decade, favorite movies of all time. It's, I love this movie. I love everything about this movie. I think it's a great one. That said, you know, I love Joe's second sliding scale, and I got to go, and I don't want to be mean here, but I got to go. He's a, a, the Hobbs character in this. He's a three out of five. He knows his role. I think oh, the fact that he oh. – not that it's bad. Not that it's bad. No, it's not bad. Any rock but I'm just saying, 
yeah. even specifically to the name of that tier, he knows his role. He is the yeah. government hard ass, right? He is the guy playing the role. He's playing the archetype. Knowing where he goes, it might be on the cusp before. It might even be down at two because, like, I love where this Hobbs character goes. Here, he's all bravado. Like, I love what he's bringing. But in terms of the growth that we've talked about, there's so much more room for him to go, and he's going to get. And I feel like we're still going to have him more. Like, I feel like he's maybe almost at peak Hobbs here. But I think yeah. we, we're going to. I think we're going to go a little bit higher, maybe. You know, at some point. Hobbs and Shaw too, for sure. I think so too. I think there's <laughs> yeah. another level to this. But I think for now, like a safe kind of three out of five. Know your role. Like, it's not a bad performance by any stretch of the imagination. I will also give him the testament of the credit that, like, if this was another actor in this role doesn't work right like it just doesn't work yeah it nope. doesn't it, there's not the charismatic there there's not there's there's not there's not the charisma there's not the energy there's not the intensity there's not the joy that he brings that people see have when they see him in a movie but right now movie five out of five role in this one three out of five i like that we we've kind of created a new wrinkle on the rating scale which which will sorry which, we will do this going forward. Now, cool. now that now that is, it's been introduced oh, in the canon, I think we're going to carry this forward because they are two different questions when when you when you look at it. And I'll start with the first one. With, with I mean, I'll start second question first in terms of Hobbs in this film, Dwayne Johnson's performance. I like Hobbs a lot, but I like Hobbs really only when he's doing Hobbsy things, like which is action. Yeah. Like the slower moments that he has, particularly with the lineup, they don't really do a whole lot for me. And I think that's because we don't really get the charm that we'll get later on where he feels like a three-dimensional character. As opposed to in, in Fast Five where I like him a lot. But he's, yeah, he's certainly one note. So I'll go, I'll agree with Joey and give him a three out of five and know your role just in terms of The Rock's performance in this. Like it's great, mm-hmm. but it's, it's great within a box. Like there's only but so far he can take the character. Now I got a question for you. So we're a little a little over a dozen episodes, dozen movies into your podcast, I think, if I did the math right. Where does the Hobbes character rank in terms of his all time great characters? Is this up there or is this in the middle? Like where does this character fall in Ooh, the even Johnson, you know, food pyramid? Is he the sweets? Is he you know, I know he likes his veggies first. But or, <laughs> no, he likes his sweets first. I don't he he likes his desserts first. I am so sorry, The Rock, Mr. The Rock. Like where does this fall? Like is this a good one is this a great one like you're more familiar with him as with his career than i am like where does this fall i think hobbs you could make the argument it's his defining character okay, okay. very you can, cool. you can make the argument because and again that's why i think fast five is so important is because he gave a boost of nas to to use one of your favorite implements thank you uh-huh. he gave a boost of nas to the franchise but i also think it worked the other way around where the franchise gave his career a boost there because yeah, he was before this he was a star but he wasn't really like he he wasn't really top tier you know he was he had, had a few clunkers and okay. while people liked the rock they weren't really into movies like the tooth fairy or race to witch mountain mm-hmm. you know things like that that really didn't take advantage of, of his talent but i think the marriage of this style of film with the fast films and the rock bringing his persona and his presence to the movies. It it was a perfect match. And so, yeah, I think unless he goes out and does, you know, pulls a Denzel and Malcolm X or a Tom Hanks in Forrest Gump and has like a singular film that we associate with this one actor, I think Hobbs is probably going to be the character he's most remembered for. 
Well, if you're talking about Tom Hanks, boy, do we have a podcast for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, in terms of the movie, though, this is the, the million-dollar question. Because yeah. up to this point, I've given uh, one film a, a one, which mm-hmm. is Doom. I've given a few films uh, a People's Champ, a four out of five. But most of the Rock's movies to this point have been in that jabroni joint to know your role category. They're either twos okay. or three. This movie, is, oh we're making history here, boys. This oh movie is, this is history for the first time. I'm oh. giving one of Dwayne The Rock Johnson's films a five out of five because we Ooh. just went one-on-one hey, with a great one. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> we're all in it with you. I'm with you. Fives, of, fives across the board for, for sure, man. Fast Five. It. Which, which is fitting. So uh, uh, before we get out of here, fellas, uh, and, and, and take care of all the, the wonderful plugging and, and housework that we have to do before we leave, because unlike the, unlike the family, I don't like to leave uh, shambles and destruction in my wake. I like to have an <laughs> orderly exit from every room I leave. Uh, before we get out of here, any final thoughts on this film, Fast Five, the Fast series in general, or Dwayne Johnson as Hobbs in this universe? You know, I'm glad that you love this movie as much as you do, that you rated it the way that you rated it. I think that if people love this character and they haven't seen the other movies, it's definitely worth exploring. Because uh, you can, you don't have to see the first four. You can just go from here. Like, if you're a diehard Dwayne Johnson fan and you don't really care about the movies, you can watch six, seven, eight Hobbs and Shaw. Like, you don't have to see the, like the early ones. Like, see them. Treat yourself to them. But see the rest of these, because the character is an all-time great character, I think. He's a lot of fun. He grows and develops in really fun ways. And I think there's a lot of dimensionality that he brings, that the writers bring. So if you like this one, I mean, it's, it, the movie might not get better, but the character gets better. And treat yourself to the rest of the movies in the franchise. Yeah, I think, I think The Rock is great. I love everything about what he did to the Fastiverse for us. And he means a lot to us. And I think that... I can't imagine somebody is listening to this and hasn't seen them. But if you haven't, go for it. It just gets better. I'm along for the ride, and I can't wait to see where this goes. I'm down for Hobbs and Shaw, too. I think my final thoughts on this film, guys, and we've we've made kind of the Marvel comparison before uh, on this program, and Mm -hmm. Fast Five to me is the Avengers, you know, the first Avenger. Okay. Mm Whereas okay. the the first four movies in the Fast and Furious universe, they're kind of you know Iron, Iron Man, Man or mm-hmm. you know Captain America, Thor, the Dark World, like like whatever your uh, level of enjoyment to those movies are, they are kind of setting up a world. And I, I like you said, I don't know if they had the idea that this is where those films were headed, but you can see like the 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 roots and the DNA from those earlier movies. In Fast Five, particularly, I think a lot of the stuff from Too Fast, Too Furious, you know, in, in terms of maybe some of the comedy elements sure. that weren't in some of the other films. And so to me, this is like the culmination of everything that came before. But also it's like, yeah, this is how big this thing can be. So everything following this is going to be bigger and better. And that's how I kind of look at Fast Five is that it was the Avengers of the Fast and Furious universe where, yeah, we had some good films before. But this just makes the scope and the stage bigger, and you have no idea what we've got lined up for you these next few films. Love Agreed. it. Very yeah. well said. And then somewhere uh, 
Charlize Theron just grabs a glove. I, I'll do it myself. <laughs> I mean, if you're talking about Charlize Theron, boy, do we have a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we, have, we have so many podcasts. Just check them all out at kingsclub.me. There are so many. Like, whatever, whoever you love, we probably did a podcast about them. And that is perfect timing right there, Joey, because I do want to thank you, brothers, for coming on and, and let the people know. Thanks for having us, man. Uh, about thank you. kind of the slate of shows that, that you have. Because for anybody that hadn't listened to uh, Too Fast, Too Forever, I stumbled upon it, I want to say, a, a couple months ago. And I was listening to, or I was watching uh, Fast 6, I believe. Okay. And so I'm like, okay, I want to hear. No, no, it wasn't Fast 6. It was Fast 8. Okay. Uh where yeah, which I, I have about? thought. What do you think about fate? <sighs> That's all we need to know. That's all we need to know. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, summed it up. It's uh it's Avengers: Age of Ultron. Like, there's good stuff mm-hmm. in it, but mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. same time, it's like mm, you didn't quite fair. hit it. Uh, yep. It's like okay. Cedric the Entertainer talking about Luther Vandross's curl. Like, it's not quite <laughs> not quite right. Oh, <laughs> uh, but uh, one one of the things that like I was like looking for any podcast because that's what i do like i'm just so kind of like if i can't fall asleep or if i can't unwind i'll just turn on a podcast and that'll kind of calm my nerves so i was looking for any content i could on fate of the furious because i wanted to hear like i had my thoughts but i'm like maybe i'm not seeing what everybody else is seeing because the movie obviously made millions and millions of dollars yes and so i listened to uh I listened to School of Movies first because I love those British, like those dry British accents to get deep and serious about everything. <laughs> and so I, I listened to their review. And then I listened to a couple of other shows and they were, they were like, I don't want to disparage anybody's podcast. If you, you know, everybody's got to have a, got to have a space for their voice, but they were a little too bro for me. Okay. And okay. So I'm like, I like, I want a show that's not too bro but not super serious either. And I thought you guys were like the sweet spot. Like you had... <sighs> All this information and, 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 you know, these points of views on the film. But also, these are Fast and the Furious movies. We're going to have fun with it. So uh, tell tell the guys, tell the guys, tell the listeners about uh, Too Fast, Too Forever and uh, anything else that you guys have out there for the people. Because, uh, yes, they you got you guys get my seal of approval, my co-sign, whatever that is worth out there. Thank you for the great compliment. Now, well. I'll let Joey do all the outros, but whew, thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. So we got to, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Those are all very kind words. I am uh, a, a little speechless over here. I mean, it's, you know, it's nice to have people write in, but hearing it in my ears, the compliments, it's oh, a new, it's a new wave. Um, <laughs> every Tuesday, we've got a new episode. So we alternate every week. We do every other week. We do a fast and furious movie. So like we have, we're in the middle of lap five. We're ending lap five right now. We're about to start lap six. Hopefully, you know, if our schedules align, Nate will be on one episode in lap six with us. Hopefully. Um, in between those episodes, because we wanted to go weekly, but we didn't want to do these every week because we didn't want to get burned out. Like, we're not going to get burned. Maybe, maybe it'll happen. Who knows? But we <laughs> want to slow it down a little bit. So we do pit stops. So this past lap, we just did the Paul Walker, Brian O'Connor lap. So we went deep on the character's Wikipedia page. We did a bunch of Paul Walker movies. We did some other bonus special stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just—it's a, a great way to kind of cut in things that are tangentially related to the Fastiverse without having to watch these movies every week. I mean, we would, but I think it, I think there's something special about sort of expanding and going beyond. So every week, every Tuesday, we got a new Too Fast, Too Forever. Like I mentioned, Joe and I have three other podcasts. You can check out the entire run of Zack Attack, our Zack Efron podcast, where. The beginning, we didn't really know what we were doing. We sort of grew into it. So Joe like said it rock. best. 
I was gonna say, if, <laughs> like you Hobbs. were Hobbs in that one. You, you, exactly. you, you knew your role. <laughs> so, like Joe said it beautifully a couple of weeks ago. He's like, you know, just start at the end and then go backwards. And then when we get bad, just stop listening. Yeah, like that's stop. a great way. Because uh, we added games and stuff like that. So we did a bunch of Zac Efron movies. We did a bunch of Ryan Gosling movies on Boyfriend Material. A bunch of Channing Tatum movies on Magic Mike's. And then they're all part of the Cage Club podcast network at cageclub.me slash shows. There's 26 podcasts over there now. We put out you know 40 or 50 episodes a month in total. So if you need things to fall asleep to, plenty Something of things. For we everyone. got Nicolas Cage, Keanu Reeves, Shia LaBeouf, Charlize Theron, Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise, Winona Ryder, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Movies about high school, movies about food, movies about like anything you can think of. We have over like thirteen hundred something episodes. All that stuff at cageclub.me. But if you want to, if you care about us and care about Too Fast Too Forever, just go to toofasttooforever.com or at Too Fast Too Forever just about anywhere on the internet, and you'll find us there. Very cool, very because it's funny because I when I first saw the concept uh, that that you guys had for the show, which for the listeners, every lap they review the Fast and Furious movies over and over and yeah. over again. I, I'm like, this is this is crazy. And then the more I listen to it, I'm like, you know what? This is actually genius. <laughs> it's de- it's uh, this is actually genius in, in in its craziness. It's 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 ludicrous, if you will. Like I oh. I I, I, uh, I like the concept and and yeah. In the anytime I can listen to a show and feel like. The hosts know what they're talking about, and they're affable, and I, I get something from it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to shout them out. I mean, awesome. I will give one more compliment. This will be my last story, I promise. But the Not a compliment, but a story. But the way that Joe and I met, we met playing Halo 2, believe it or not, on Xbox True. Live. And True. I think <laughs> what we bring to the podcast, what we try to bring to the podcast, is kind of what we both tried to bring to Halo 2. Like, we are both good at Halo 2, but not great. We're not the best podcasters in the world. We were not the best Halo players in the world. But we just wanted to have a good time. Like, we wanted to dick around. We wanted It'll to have fun. fun, make jokes, and just play a game. And I feel like too fast too forever gives us the opportunity to talk about the movies we love with people that we want to talk about them with but also like not be too serious because these are the fast and furious movies it's not like we're dissecting the criterion films or the best picture nominees not that that there's anything wrong with that but like Mm. these are movies that we love that are goofy and wacky and over the top on purpose and i think that we're able to like you said just know what we're talking about and be passionate about it but also at the end of the day like realize you know, it's a Fast and Furious movie. Like at the end of the day, it's not going to win a Best Picture nominee, Best Picture Oscar, but we love it. We don't we don't love it any less because it doesn't win awards. We love it mm. even more, maybe because of that. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. And unfortunately, you guys won't be with me next time in the theater. But for the listeners, we we have a treat in store for you because we're 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 leaving Fast and Furious in the rearview mirror for now. But next time in the cinema. We're going to be checking out 2012's Journey to the Mysterious Island. (laughs) We need someone to take us to an island located here. That's the deadliest part of the ocean. There is no island there. Ooh, baby, easy peasy. Let's go. Oh! That's my security system. I'd rather take the Titanic. Here's the deal. A few nights ago, a radio signal got sent out from these coordinates. It could be the mysterious island that Jules Verne wrote about. You think you're going to travel halfway around the world and meet up with some lunatic who's messing around on ham radio? It's not some lunatic. It's my grandfather. He's been looking for mysterious island for over half of his life. 
great. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the mysterious island. This is heaven. I'm checking in. This is amazing. Well, don't just stand there, Grandpa. <laughs> Who's up for an adventure? What is this place? Atlantis. Mountain of gold. I can't believe it. In two weeks, we'll be on the cover of Time magazine. This is amazing. Ooh. Let me warn you: this island is full of dark jungles and terrifying creatures. That's emasculating. What was that? This island's about to go under. How much time do we have? Two, three hours, Max. These aren't rocks or eggs. We just need to move carefully. Lizards have incredible sense of smell. Oh! oh. oh. If we get torn to bits, run! I'm blaming you. Way to slay the heart. Getting the attention of a woman is one of the hardest things to do. So you have got to do this. What is that? The peck pop of love. Now go on and throw a berry. Boom. So any any quick thoughts on Journey 2, fellas? Any memories you have of that it. wonderful movie? Oh, I haven't seen it. Did Joey see it? Did you see no, it? No, I haven't seen it. No, there's oh. a lot of there's a lot of Dwayne Johnson movies that I haven't seen. Like I feel oh. like there's a lot that I just don't know about, and that's why you know we'll have to recently. watch to get ready for the next episode. Yeah, fun know, fact: recently. this is the second movie where DJ filled in for Brendan Fraser. You know, he took over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. He took over. You know, the Scorpion King franchise, the Mommy franchise from Brendan. Yeah. And then in this one, he took over the Journey Journey series from Brendan Fraser. Man, you know, I think about you know if you I don't know if you like sports, but you know you know Wally Pipp, long time. Mm. He's he's sort of iconic in in Yankee history because he took a day off. Lou Gehrig filled in, went twenty one hundred games in a row, never missed a day. And so maybe Brendan Fraser is the Wally Pipp of movies. He's just (laughs) he's not bad. He's a perfectly serviceable actor. But then you're gonna get you know. All of a sudden, Dwayne Johnson's playing first base. It's like, well, I want this guy. I was going to say, and Dwayne Johnson just, he tells his agent, what has Frazier (laughs) passed on? Get me that role. Like, it's very specific. Love it. Oh, so uh, in, in terms of me, in terms of where the listeners can check me out, if you want to hear more from me, obviously I'm on Twitter, in the number eight, M-O-Z-A-I-K. Nate Mosaic on Twitter, or you can catch me on the gram at Black Nate, B L A Q U E, in the number eight, because I'm fancy like that. And I like <laughs> like to have a little flair, a little flavor, a little razzle dazzle with, with my screen names. Uh, you can check out the Kings of Sport podcast on Patreon, featuring myself and Marcus Vanderberg of Yahoo Sports, patreon.com backslash the Kings of Sport. Uh, and finally, of course, I am a licensed insurance agent, and as we know, tax time is rapidly approaching, so make sure that you, your income, and your family's future are protected. I mean, how can we not talk about family when family's all that we got? Oh, beautiful so, said. Yes, I mean, it's truer words, never spoken. So if you want to protect your investment, your home, your future, give me a call. If I can't help you, somebody on my team can. I uh, want to give a shout-out to Austin James Graphic Designs, for the artwork on the show, and of course, Brother Braden Harrington for providing the theme. Uh, so that is going to do it 
for this edition of the Rocky Maivia Picture Show. Again, I want to give a shout out to my special guests this week, Joey and Joe from Too Fast, Too Forever. Fellas, I appreciate you guys coming on. And, and again, like any future Fast and Furious movie we do, uh, you certainly have an open invite to come back on the show. Oh, well, thank you thank so you, much. We, we can't wait to have you I on our blast. show, too. So I might need yeah. you to help me get through Fate of the Furious again. <laughs> <laughs> like, why, why are they threatening that baby? There's a lot of baby <laughs> threatening in this film. So, oh, and it, I think I've I, I talked about it before, but I'll, I'll let you guys know, too. But one of the ideas that I have, and it probably came from watching this film, is the more fast movies we do featuring The Rock on this podcast, I want the the guest list just to expand and get crazier. So like from two (laughs) guests to four guests to eight (laughs) guests and all of us will be drinking Coronas because it's about family. You can have any brew you want as long as it's a Corona. There you go. So uh, thank you for listening to the Rocky My View Picture Show. Uh, Of course, shout out to John Pollock and Wei Ting here on Post Wrestling. Head over to postwrestling.com for all your wrestling needs. For the Joes, for Dwayne Johnson, and of course, for No Knees Denise, wherever she may be. <laughs> I am the Godfather Nate Milton, and remember, Nubian eyes are watching. We'll see you next time. Turn your ass on out of here. Ah!